0: Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. How's it going? It's going well, Todd. Well, today, tonight, I should say, the stars are not gathered, the red carpet is not out, and the press couldn't care less about what we're doing. But we are doing the second annual Hall of Fame inductees into the TV Movie Rewind
1: Hall of Fame. That's right. Only the... the, Only the most gala of events for us. Only the most gala of events,
0: and since it's just the two of us, and we're in separate cities, there probably won't be a
1: lot of uh, excitement. But nation nationwide coverage, you could say, New England wide thirty mile coverage, you could say. Two states. Two, st- yeah, yeah, right. There we go. So,
0: without further ado, we're going to, well, I guess a little bit more ado. <laughs> We're going to pick a selection of movies and actors and directors and various filmmakers that we just really, really enjoy. They're they're, they're highlights. Um, Some of these we will get their own episodes for reasons, you know, when we bring them up, we'll we'll get into it. But this is just some of our favorite stuff and stuff we, we don't really get to talk about in the individual movie-specific podcasts.
1: Yeah, I, I look at it as, as stuff that kind of helped shape um, our taste in movies such as they are. Our taste in movies and film. Like, these are, these are the things that, at least for me anyway, I guess I don't want to speak for you, but at least for me, like... Um, you know that the the inductees that we're going to pick and the things that we're going to talk about are just kind of like you know they're 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 peppered throughout whether they're you know whether the actor or or whatever is related to the movie that we're watching it's 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 things that I'm kind of hope um, to evoke the same feelings that I get when watching some of these actors or you know oh they're in this I'm definitely going to watch it or so and so is directing and I definitely got to see it it's those sort of reactions exactly people we always
0: enjoy seeing and movies we're never going to get tired of exactly all right so. Now, without any further ado, (laughs) we're going to start with the movie category. And this year, I am inducting, first of all, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, a classic. Night of the Living Dead is my favorite horror movie. Sure. And we will be doing an episode on it at some point. But considering it's also a movie that I collect, as I have over nine different editions of it on dvd and blu-ray at this point how can i not induct it into the hall of fame But it is a zombie movie classic it is it set the stage for the
1: modern zombie movie and that and that doesn't even include what the, the two or three editions you have on vhs at least yeah, I had I had at least two copies on
0: VHS.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't even I couldn't begin to really comprehend how many times we've seen this movie. Like, I might have seen it more than I've even seen Halloween because I'm I'm sure I've seen that Living Dead before I saw Halloween. Um, this kind of like Magnificent Seven. It's a movie that you always had and always found a way to watch, you know, frequently enough because it's just that kind of movie. It's it's relentlessly rewatchable. Yeah,
0: it's a classic.
1: Yeah.
0: All right moving on todd you're
1: first uh, we're gonna go with one of the fan submissions um and that would be the original uh texas chainsaw massacre uh by toby hooper obviously it's horror legend now the interesting thing at least in my perspective with texas chainsaw massacre is while it certainly deserves to be here especially since it was a fan submission and that's the whole point and i 100 percent recognize its importance in horror history it is not one of my favorite movies i didn't care a great deal for it when i first saw it but i did understand like i did my impression of it was definitely that okay i get i really understand why people definitely like this movie it's it's definitely you know i could even i could see like in the sea of movies that i was seeing at the time the the you know the endless and i do enjoy them friday the 13th right and the endless halloweens which again such as they are i i enjoy nonetheless um, I could definitely see the difference in, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and what that brought to the table, especially for the time. So I can certainly see why it's a landmark and absolutely see why many people love it. Um, I'm not as huge of a fan, but I'm still happy to introduce, introduce it anyway. Um, uh, directed by the great, uh, late, great Toby Hooper, um, whose name will come up in a little bit.
0: Yes, I'm almost wondering if we should make an addition to our director category in this episode. Right. You know what? I just talked it over with the Academy. Yes, we're adding somebody to the director admissions. I can't imagine who it would be. Yes. Yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my favorites. It's too bad none of the sequels, you know, really live up. Well, new generation. Uh Yeah. Leatherface, the the original Leatherface with um, Ken Forey and it. it's Hopper kind one? of fun. No, that's part two. Part two, okay. I understand people really do like part two. Part two is divisive. Is you either love it or hate it. You like whether okay. you okay. like the shoot black humor that Toby Hooper put into it, or you don't. Um, Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre three that has Ken Forey and a an, early performance by Viggo Mortensen is they tried to put it more into the, you know, slasher category, like a Jason Voorhees.
1: And the remake, I think, is pretty darn good as well. Well, that's the interesting thing. Like, and and uh, to be honest with you, I got to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre again. I have, to, I have to see the original again. It has been a long, long time since I've seen it. Um, my tastes somewhat have changed. Not so much, not so much when it comes to horror, but my tastes have somewhat changed since the last time I saw it. And yeah, like you know, I liked the remake. I liked the remake a fair bit, actually, uh, like such as it is. I did. Um, I know that's probably a crime being Michael Bay produced at all. But yeah. I, what can I tell you?
0: All right. Moving on. For me, Star Wars, A New Hope. Oh, yeah. Don't have to say any more than that.
1: No, really. There's
0: nobody our age that wasn't a huge Star Wars fan. It was originally my favorite movie.
1: It's Star Wars A New Hope. Fantastic. Didn't go with Empire. No, to me, Star Wars is still my favorite. I flip back and forth between the two. Sometimes it's Empire. Sometimes it's A New Hope. Um, As far as like a third choice, Rogue One was so good. um but yeah no I, I flip between the two um whether it be empire or a new hope and obviously i mean i don't have to tell you new hope is amazing everybody knows that um uh, so me next yes so this is something i won't go into huge detail cuz we covered it in two two episodes back to back episodes um just a short while ago and uh although these were technically on tv i do consider them movies because the tv audience certainly did um V and certainly given the budget and, and everything that was was involved in it, um, both V and V, the final battle, um, that's kind of cheating. That's technically two movies, but I consider them pretty much linked together. Even though the final battle, I wouldn't is definitely not disappointing. Um, it's 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 a lesser than 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 the, than V the original miniseries, um, and you know I guess to hear more about that, just go listen to the episode. I'm not going to bore you with more detail.
0: All right. My final entry in the movie category before I get into TV is the classic cool hand look. Oh, hell yeah. And if you didn't agree with me, all I could say was what we have here is failure to communicate.
1: That's right. Um, Yes, quoted at the beginning of um, of the great song Civil War by Guns N' Roses many years later. This is just one of those
0: all-time classic movies. Yep. Um, I don't. I doubt we'll ever cover it as its own episode because it doesn't quite fit in. But we might. It. It. It's just such a great movie, and it's one of my favorites that um, I had to have it in here. And I wanted to um, bring something in out, outside of a genre film. We're usually covering yeah. genre films, right? And this is just, this is one of my standbys
1: to watch. Right. Like, I mean, to an extent, you could almost pretty fairly call this like the genre film podcast, but um, Cool Hand Luke is definitely an important movie to us. One of my favorites too. That's a, that's a fantastic choice. And uh, I think we will cover it. I just think we're kind of in a genre zone and I'm totally fine with that.
0: Well, that and, you know, George Kennedy, who is one of my favorite actors, Uh won his Academy Award
1: for his role in
0: this movie. And so, um,
1: for that as well. And for for me, I mean, uh, for me, he always will resonate as a comedic legend in the in the Zucker brothers and Abrams movies, um, especially Airplane and so on. I'm sorry, uh, Naked Gun rather.
0: Yeah, well, that's where it showed the genius of both Leslie Nielsen and um, yes George Kennedy in those movies. They were dramatic actors that just had also brilliant. The ability to do comedy is
1: so straightforward that it made the movies that much funnier. I mean, excellent forward thinking by these guys, um, who I think are going to end up in in a, in a, <laughs> who are going to end up in this hall of fame very soon. I nearly put them in this time around, but spoiler. Um, although if I induct them, it's going to be both of the Zucker's and Jim Abrams, because it just would be. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, so my next choice uh, and my final choice in the movie category, again, technically a TV movie, technically a TV miniseries, but screw it, I'm going with movie, and that is the original Toby Hooper, Salem's Lot. Um, again, if you want to hear more about that, go ahead and listen to the episode, but this is one of my favorite horror films of all time, one of my favorite. I love vampire films, I love supernatural films, um, zombies, all of that, and this is one of my all-time favorite like vampire lore movies. This is like ingrained in my blood when i think when i think of watching any sort of vampire movie part of me kind of hopes it's going to be a little bit like salem's lot
0: yes and given the scope and care put into well not just salem's lot but the v movies as well they really do they were big budget you know, they, they could have easily been movies.
1: Right. I mean, movies and, and home video back then are just not as ubiquitous as they are now. Like, now we can consume ourselves with all sorts of movies in all sorts of different ways. Back in the day, you just had to go to the theater. <laughs> and, that you know, either you did or you didn't. You 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 had whatever you had at home. So this was the closest you had to, like, um, Netflix, you know, to, to, to the Netflix original. Like, Salem's Lot v. The Final Battle, those are the closest you have to Netflix originals so. now.
0: Yes. Uh, okay, so my first TV pick, which was also a fan pick, so that cinched it, is, of course, the A-Team. And we covered oh, yeah. the A-Team in its own episode, so no reason for us to get any further into it here.
1: Um, For my only TV pick, and this is one that I, I know this is becoming a cop-out right now, but uh, another one I don't want to get into too much detail to because I hope we cover it at some point, uh, and that's Quantum Leap. The classic Quantum Leap, starring Scott Bakula and uh, Dean Stockwell, um, two guys who I couldn't stop watching. I mean, I would watch the two of them in you know, in, in anything pretty much, in, in, in any episode. Um, maybe it ended kind of disappointingly, and I guess that's about the most detail I get into it. But if you don't know Quantum Leap um, and you're a genre fan, sci-fi fan, um, you know Scott Bakula plays a time traveler, leaping who gets stuck leaping through time trying to fix um, history's wrong. Uh, so we can leap to the next time frame and hopefully end up home at some point. Although I pretty much just explained the beginning of the show, which we'll tell you in the beginning of the show and every time you watch it. But um, Quantum Leap is a classic. They don't really make them quite like this anymore. And um, it's something I still miss to this day, uh, to an extent. Um, I got to grab the DVDs. I got I to see it more often. It's been, it's been a while since I watched any of it. It used to be on quite a bit. Uh, it used to be on... Throughout the 90s, like it was a popular show, so I'm not breaking new ground here. Uh, it, it might be a little bit forgotten by now for any of our younger listeners. But those who remember it, you know, remember it being oft repeated um, throughout the uh, later 80s and 90s.
0: Yeah. USA used to play it in a regular time slot.
1: Yeah. And I would watch it basically every time. <laughs> the,
0: the brilliance of the show is that it was basically, you know, it was a science premise, but it was an anthology show. One episode could be a comedy. Yes. The next episode was a murder mystery. The next episode was an action episode, you know, because and, and there were different the place in different time periods as he time traveled, you know, throughout his lifetime, which at the time of the show was 19, I believe it was 1949
1: to 1999. Uh, yeah, I want to say. Yeah, I think that's
0: about right. It may have been 1959 to 1999.
1: If I remember right, like the rules were, it had to be within his like birth year on or something. Yeah, he could only travel within his own lifetime. Um, Yeah, like Quantum Leap even it even went horror and very effectively. Like out of nowhere, the episode the the show had a horror episode um, that may or may not have referenced Stephen King. It's it's not entirely clear, but there's definitely a nod to who appears who could be Stephen King. Uh, not the person themselves, but at least a reference of the actual person. But it's a it's an episode that goes pretty I mean it's not it's still a you know a, a nighttime weekly, you know, show. So it's not like it went gory or anything, but it went effectively creepy out of nowhere. You know the episode we yes, talking about, a, right?
0: Yes. It was a great show and it's unfortunate that it didn't have a great
1: ending. Correct. That's probably, that's really the only complaint I have is that you never really got mu- as much of a satisfactory ending as you would have hoped. That was even, you
0: know, the show was even restri- referenced in another one of our favorite shows, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes, that's right. Where they, they're even convinced that Scott Bakula is there as he leapt into somebody's body. Yes.
1: That's which, right. I completely forgot about that.
0: Yeah. Which shows they didn't pay too much attention to the show because they wouldn't have seen him as Scott
1: Bakula if he had. This is true. This is true. That's right. He would only see, um, I guess, well, you know, we'll talk about that when we do the Quantum Leap episode. All
0: right. Um, My next one was, again, it was a fan pick, and it's a beloved sci-fi show that only ran one season, Battlestar Galactica.
1: Oh, so the original, okay.
0: Yes. Although that was my, I picked the original, and I assumed when the fan put it in, he was talking about the original. So it's the original that's getting there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, have nothing I, against the remake. I, I never, I, 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 I never, never watched, watched it.
0: it much. But yeah,
1: yeah. I, I never watched. Sad to say, I never watched it. it. It was a little bit, um, it was a little bit more like Star Trek. Except I actually saw episodes of Star Trek. Right, because Star Trek was just so heavily ingrained into the culture for a while it was hard to avoid it and i'm not going to tell you i didn't like i enjoyed it you know i would watch the occasional episode with you though i think i've maybe only seen aside from the movies 30 episodes for the entire you know run of every everything of star trek 30 40 you know well maybe more because we did watch we did watch enterprise anyway but for whatever reason I, i never got into not because i didn't I never really tried. Like I never watched the new Battlestar Galactica, but it became a cultural phenomenon in and of itself um, more so than the original series, I suppose. But um, yeah, I mean, it certainly lasted longer, but yeah. The the remake show brought in a a non
0: sci-fi following the way next generation did. There were a lot of people who didn't normally watch science fiction that jumped on board to Battlestar Galactica.
1: Yeah. Like I I remember we watched the, um, like the, I guess what would have been the pilot, like mini series, mini movie or something like that. Yeah. Uh, right before, like, yeah. It was something like several months before the show. Maybe they didn't even know it was going to be a show yet began. And I just never ended up actually watching the show, but I, um, I, I would always hear like my friends and stuff talking about it, reference it all the time. So I would, I guess we could induct them both as the same. Co- you really can't have one without the other, um, uh, but yeah, the original, man, I, I don't know how old I was, but very old when I realized that it was only one season, because it seemed like it was on all the time. I mean, we started reruns, but it seemed like it was in constant rerun that I just assumed there were multiple seasons of it. But it was a fun show to watch, and it was Star Wars on our yeah. TV. Yes, yeah, with, with um, very top-end effects, especially for the time. Um, although they were done not by industrial lights and magic, but people who worked there like Len Dykstra, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, that wraps up the TV movie entries. Now we're going to go on to directors, uh, director slash producers, I should say. Okay. And we're going to start with Steven Spielberg. Nothing more needs to be said. Steven Spielberg.
1: Right uh exactly yeah uh i mean we'll probably well we'll certainly end up talking more about his movies as we go but right i mean it you know who steven spielberg is um my first my well my only choice really for um director is richard donner um richard donner uh you know him and love him if you don't know who he is you more than likely know his movies um to name a few you have the omen uh Superman, um, uh, the Goonies, Lady Hawk, the Lethal Weapons series, um, Scrooge, <laughs> uh, the Great Bill Murray Scrooge, one of my favorite Christmas, probably my favorite Christmas movie, honestly. Um, you know, even Maverick with with Mel Gibson was a heck of a lot of fun, and I even kind of liked um, Conspiracy Theory, even Assassins. Like he's he just makes good stuff. Um, uh, Richard Donner 100% uh, well I mean a lot of the movies that I just mentioned we're probably gonna end up going through on this um, podcast so I, I guess I'm not gonna go into much deeper detail but I don't know that I need to based on the movies I just mentioned Richard Donner is a great director absolutely he so deserves to be here and I'm a little ashamed myself that I didn't think of him first and that's that's the tricky part right that is the tricky part he's not well, maybe he was in the time. I don't know, but he was never a director that real that whose name really stood out like a Lucas or a Spielberg or um or even a John Carpenter did. You know, um, it was one of those things where you find out later. Oh my God, he did all these great movies.
0: Yeah, he was a big name, but you're right. He was never really
1: like Hollywood. Yeah, his, like...
0: his name wasn't bigger than the movies themselves.
1: Exactly, exactly. Which says a lot because his movies were big. His movies were huge. Again, I just named him. Like, they, they, yeah, no, um, absolutely, Richard Donner. All right. Well, now we're going to go on in favorite
0: director, second only to the great John Carpenter, mm-hmm. and that's Walter Hill. Walter Hill's a great choice. I love this man's movies. Um, movies you have to see by Walter Hill if you haven't already seen them are of course The Warriors Extreme Prejudice which in my opinion is one of the top five action movies ever made I remember yeah you're so excited because you can finally get your uh, Blu-ray release yes coming to uh, Blu-ray thanks to Vestron Video we'll be releasing it on a really nice Blu-ray soon I'm highly looking forward to that I can't wait to do an episode on it. And, Oh geez. So many like long riders and trespass and. Southern comfort. We covered uh, it's, it's I'm thinking like, why do have, we, we've only covered at this point. Um, Streets of fire by him. Right. But I mean, just, I, I love this man's movies. i You know, unfortunately, Bruce Willis is currently in the news because he's had to retire. He did a movie with Walter Hill, Last Man Standing, which is basically a, you know, remake of Yojimbo by way of Fistful of Dollars. Yep. And um, oddly enough, also in that movie is Christopher Walken, who just had a birthday
1: recently. All right. Happy birthday. So, yes, Walter Hill. Happy birthday, Christopher Walken. Happy belated, I guess, now birthday, Christopher Walken.
0: Now, why don't you go ahead and introduce the person we just added moments ago?
1: Uh, you mean Toby Hooper? Yes, Toby <laughs> Hooper. Uh, Toby Hooper for reasons, uh, well, I guess you already know if you've been listening for the last uh, 20 minutes or so. Um, at least, You know, for me, uh, it's it's going to be Salem's Lot, Salem's Lot, Salem's Lot, and Poltergeist for sure are the, are the two big ones for me with him. What are your favorites, Matt? Um, well, you mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah.
0: Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Sailor's Lot. But I also really like uh, Life Force. Oh, Life Force is excellent, yes. So, um, yeah, he's just... He also did a great one called Eaten Alive. Which I believe was his first movie after the Texas
1: Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot he did that.
0: Yeah. It, it That's a really um, fun movie. Just a great director, and yes, totally deserving of being added to the... And, you know, I, he was a fan pick as well that I hadn't added to the list, but where we were talking about him, where he was a fan pick, he we, we need to put him in now. Sure. All right. And then finally in this category, he is a director, but he's really getting put in for his work as a producer um, and, and studio head. Roger Corman. Yes. Roger Corman is not only the man behind so many weird and wonderful, you know, horror and genre movies, he's also responsible for helping launch the career of some of Hollywood's top directors. Yes. Ron Howard, Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola all started out working for him. Yep. Uh, Nicolas Cage to... even too, right? Ron Howard was um, you know, an actor beforehand but Roger Corman gave him his, you know, gave him a camera and said go out there and direct movies. Uh, you know, plus, you know, Dick Miller, Jack Nicholson, Actors that you know really came out of the Roger Corman studios. I mean, right there, there are, uh, and and Shout Factory has a Roger Corman, the Roger Corman film library, because there's so many fantastic films with this man's name on it.
1: Oh, I mean, well over, well over a hundred, I imagine.
0: Right? And you know, I. Because he directed some stuff himself. the one that comes to mind is a is a pretty cool Western called Five Guns West.
1: Oh, that is a good movie. And not but, even I'm not even a huge Western fan, but I remember that. That was really good.
0: Um just just it's just so many fun movies that you know, we could you could do an empire podcast on Roger Corman. And there's probably people who do, but
1: Yeah. Roger Corman for me is not someone like If, uh, you know, younger Todd, when he when he saw like, oh, he does mostly B movies and like these these weird kind of like movies that don't have the best effects and stuff. I just kind of like I never really paid attention. I was just kind of like, whatever. Right. He's just off to the side. Older Todd, having finally seen some of his movies, and in many cases, without even realizing I was seeing some of his movies, I've grown to appreciate just how fantastic fantastic of a filmmaker he actually became um not even just working with the people that you were talking about but just like for example um again i don't, I don't know how much influence he had in this movie in particular but um you know matt i happen to have that copy i uh, borrowed that copy from you for that had um i escaped from devil's island on it the uh, jim brown movie. yes and I'm like, this is a really good movie. And I later realized, well, yeah, Roger Corman, of course, <laughs> you know, um, he's one of these guys where it's like, yeah, it's it's a B movie. It may not have the best production values, but it's usually well acted and at the very least has a very interesting story and you find yourself getting sucked into it anyway. Um, and that's just that's just like one example um, uh, of, of the type of of the type of films that he could make. You know, he, he, you, you, you could go in there, you know, arms folded, being like, I'm not going to like this, it's going to be lame and be moving, it's going to be whatever, and then just find yourself just loving it by the end of it, or at the very least being thoroughly entertained, such as it is by the end of it. He knew just because it wasn't going to
0: be a big budget Hollywood studio film. Didn't mean that was an excuse for not making the best movie you could possibly make.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think like um, um, I Escape from Devil, Devil's Island is a good example of that. Like it's, it's very, very well acted. It's very, very well written. Um, all sorts of things you don't immediately associate with B-movies, but if you watch enough of them, you realize what B-movies really are. They're not necessarily bad. They're just not the high-budget ones. Yes. Even James Cameron, the guy behind two of the biggest
0: money-making movies ever made came out of the Corman Studios yeah yeah Roger Corman's contribution to uh, to the, the film industry cannot be overstated hell his contribution
1: to this podcast indirectly can't be overstated no as we, I mean I yeah. can turn
0: around and look at my shelf <laughs> right. of
1: DVDs
0: and I can see Piranha and Battle Beyond the Stars and um, some of these double features Twice Dead and and uh,
1: the Terror Within and, oh, for, uh, for, not Forbidden Planet, Forbidden World. Or even just, you know, showing his bravery in making the movies that he did, especially the weird ones. Like, you know, it, it created not necessarily people who worked with Roger Corman, but probably would have loved to. And are just fans of his stuff that are in turn making fantastic movies because they were influenced in that way. Like, yeah, his his influence and in, in the type of films that we like, especially much less Hollywood. Um, yeah, you're right. It can't be understated.
0: All right, coming up next, um, we're going to get into the actors. Now, my first pick is Harrison Ford. Sure. Because Harrison Ford was the first, my first favorite actor. Yep. You know, for his roles as not only Han Solo, but Indiana Jones.
1: I mean, how could you not? Yeah, especially in the early 80s. I mean, come on.
0: I mean, there was, I mean, there was a time where every time Harrison Ford was making a movie, it was like an event.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's always done just... It, well, I shouldn't say always, because unfortunately, around the mid-90s, the quality of the films he was appearing in started to fall off. He also appeared in one of the, the movies, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Random Hearts is an absolutely god-awful movie. And uh, just so awful. But prior to that, you know, it was just Blade Runner. Yeah. I mean, I I I even enjoy he was the one that he's the guy that first stopped me as as a as a kid to be like, let me see a dramatic movie like regarding Henry. I wouldn't have been interested in a movie like Regarding Henry if Harrison Ford hadn't been
1: in it. Well, and you know, even movies and this is this is this is like a theme for for a lot of the actors that were like even movies that probably shouldn't be good, like, you know, take like Air Force 1. If it's not yes. Harrison Ford or at least someone like him, some someone who can bring that it's is it a very good movie, maybe not, but Harrison Ford makes it great because he's Harrison Ford. He's one of those guys who can pull off president action hero. Absolutely, yeah.
0: You know, he did some good work in the Jack Ryan movies that he did. Um, just just some Fugitive, another fantastic movie. Oh, yes, the Fugitive. I mean, I just, every time I saw Harrison Ford was a, making a movie or in a movie, I wanted
1: to see it. Hell, hell yeah. Still, I mean, that's still pretty much true. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest. Well, again, um,
0: I didn't much care for some of his his, his later work. Like, oh, I didn't uh, think Firewall was that good. Um, I, oh, I, I Random Hearts was a terrible movie. Six Days, Seven Nights. Six. That wasn't too bad, you know. It, it was torn apart by by people, but no, I, I watched it. I didn't think it was all that bad.
1: Hell, he was the reason we even watched Mosquito Coast. Yes, I don't know that we would have watched, especially at that age. There's no chance in hell we're watching that movie if it didn't star um, Han Solo. (laughs) No, but yeah. Slash Indiana Jones. There's no chance in hell we're watching Mosquito Coast. (laughs) And, of course, Harrison Ford made
0: his film debut playing a bellhop in the movie Dead Heat on a Merry go round starring James Coburn, who is my favorite actor
1: of all time. Right on. Uh, I guess me? Yes. All right. First choice I'm going with is uh, Val Kilmer. Uh, Val Kilmer, whose career has slowed down a bit, especially due to illness, but um, his back catalog is fantastic and goes through a range of comedy through action, through drama. Um, He was always one of my favorite actors. He's definitely a guy. If I knew he was going to be in something, I was probably going to pay attention to it and certainly try to seek it out um just to go through some of the better movies he was in uh, or at least the ones that like when i think val kilmer this is you know this is what i want to see um tombstone he's fantastic as doc holiday in tombstone um that's a movie we'll probably cover and hopefully people listening to this you've seen tombstone if you haven't stop what you're doing and watch tombstone it's fantastic all the way through i mean whether it be because of kurt russell or or um uh michael bain or or, or uh, val kilmer or um Oh hell, man! The, the list is just, just Powers Booth. Yeah, just just watch Tombstone, right? Um, he real... steals the movie with all these powerhouse yes.
0: performances in Tombstone. He steals the movie as Dark Holiday, and even he knows it because he named his biography, you know, after you know his role in, um, in Tombstone. His it... his autobiography is or his memoirs, I should say is like, I'll be your Huckleberry.
1: It's, yeah, like it's, it probably defined him, um, and it came relatively later than some of the movies I'm going to mention, but it's I, I, yeah, it's my favorite Val Kilmer movie, um, and it's just it's an amazing movie all the way through. It's one of my favorites ever, ever. And and again, I, I, as I've mentioned many times on probably several episodes, I am not the biggest Western fan. It's not like I dislike them. I don't gravitate towards them um, typically, but Tombstone is absolutely one that I will gravitate to and I will stop and watch it at any time, at any time. Um, real Genius uh, which is a movie I think we we'll, might cover on this podcast eventually. Real genius. Uh, I won't detail it, but he's fantastically funny in that. That's a fun little kind of like 80s sort of college nerd comedy, but it's different than most of those. It's not a whole lot of like sexy, sort of penny-rady type of stuff. It's it's, uh, it's it's a really good movie. Uh, and he's, he's fantastic in it. Uh, Top Gun, which I think everybody knows. Um, maybe you liked this movie. Maybe you thought it was pointless and overly long. Um, I did like it. Uh, the Doors. I'm not even that big of a Oliver Stone fan, but I really did like The Doors. Um, it's not like I ever saw Jim Morrison um, myself you know, in person, but he seems to nail the part. Um, and as we found out in one of the episodes uh, of this podcast, Top Secret, he's a heck of a singer. And he does sing in The Doors. He sings those songs just like he sang in Top Secret. The man is multi-talented. Singing, dancing, I mean, he was a stage actor um, before he was a film actor. And I think a stage actor probably during the time he was a film actor. Um, some other ones, Heat. Which is another powerhouse movie. In this one, he doesn't really steal the uh, steal the show. It's a it's a, he's 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 a bit more off the side compared to say um, certainly you know Pacino and De Niro. Um, Willow, a movie I hope we do on this podcast because I'm a fantasy movie nerd. I really 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 like Willow, uh, and he's awesome as Mad Martigan. Um, I already mentioned Top Secret um, and some lesser known ones. Um, the Ghost of the Darkness with um, michael douglas i think is an excellent movie um kiss kiss bang bang is one of his more recent ones that's that's one that like people know and and love if you haven't heard of it check it out uh, seek it out especially if you kind of like you know the 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 kind of crime you know comedy type of stuff um and then uh, a fun horror movie in mindhunter uh, it's one of my favorite movies. It's almost a guilty pleasure in a way. Is it the grandest movie ever? No, but it's sufficiently creepy. Sufficient, just the right amount of gore, um, just the right amount of like '90s slasher movie, um, like it's it's a very '90s slasher movie, but it's one of the better ones.
0: And it takes its cues from the classic, and then there were none.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like it's it's a it's a good '90s slasher movie.
0: Nope, Val Kilmer is definitely a great actor. He even made a quick appearance in the final episode of Psych because he was so much yes. talked about in that movie, you know, that show. They just kind of snuck him in there at the end. And rightfully so. All right. My Peck, we actually watched a movie with his gentleman over the weekend. And every time I see he's in a movie, I know him in for a good time. Fred. Williamson. Oh hell yeah. The hammer. Fred the Hammer Williamson. Football player turned action movie genre star. And he's just so much fun to watch. Most people are gonna know him from his appearance in From Dusk Till Dawn, mm-hmm. where he played one of the truck drivers who's telling his story about Vietnam as Tom Savini's turning into a vampire behind them. Right. Um I actually watched two movies with Fred Williamson over the weekend. We watched Hell's Heroes and the Inglorious Bastards too, and I watched uh, Take a Hard Ride, which is a western that stars him and Jim Brown. Oh, right, But on. he was in a ton of the black exploitation movies, like Black Caesar and Hell Up in Harlem, and he's in a great movie called Original Gangsters. Oh, yes, which was Expendables like 10 years before they made the expendables before the expendables put all the eighties action movies together in one action movie actors and together in one movie original gangsters put all the blaxploitation action heroes together in one movie. That movie has got Fred Williamson, Jim Brown, Richard right Ron oh, O'Neill and Pam
1: Greer all together. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a powerhouse of a movie. What's the name of it again? Original Gangsters. Original Gangsters, yeah. Uh, um,
0: I think They're I've basically, s- they come, seen that. They they come together to take on, as adults, to take on the gang that they founded in their youth that has now gone, yes. gotten out of control and terrorizing a neighborhood in Gary, Indiana.
1: Yes, yes. I should watch that again. I remember watching that with you a while back.
0: It's that, a blast of a awesome. movie.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, and I should and say that he, is an awesome
0: movie that and so many other. he appeared in so many of my favorite, uh, you know, Italian exploitation, sci fi movies, too, that, you know, he he's and even recently, he's still kicking butt in action movies like
1: VFW. Oh, VFW is awesome. Yes, definitely. People check out VFW. Yeah. If you're a fan of this podcast or the movies that we've been talking that we're talking about. Yeah, definitely check out VFW. That's a fun movie. Yeah. Fred Williamson into the Hall of
0: Fame. 100%. And, and here's the cigar for you to chomp on, because he's almost <laughs> always chomping on a cigar in those movies, too. That's
1: right. Um, the next I'm going with is a fan suggestion, but uh, I have no, obviously no problem uh, recommending Rutger Hauer um, into the Hall of Fame. Um, Rutger Hauer, to name a few of his movies that I particularly love, um, The Hitcher. He's amazing in The Hitcher, which is another great horror movie if you're not familiar with The Hitcher. Um, maybe you only saw the remake, if at all. Definitely check out The Hitcher. That is a his, fantastically creepy movie.
0: His performance in Blade Runner is outstanding as his,
1: well. Exactly. Blade Runner. Um, Nighthawks with Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone is a really great movie. Um, Lady Hawk, which we've done on this podcast. He's fantastic in that. Um, a really fun sci-fi um, sort of predator almost alien kind of clone in split second um which is a movie that maybe we'll cover later in this podcast because that was a really fun movie i remember we had a blast with um back in the day i've seen it again recently and i still like it um is one of his more recent films which is just kind of like a weird out there but very entertaining hobo with a shotgun yes um so, yeah, flesh and blood or flesh Plus blood, if you prefer. <laughs> um, yeah, Rucker Howard. He, I mean, his career was not as big as it was in his home country, uh, here, but again, I mean, I just listed off some uh, pretty great ones that, and I, I have no problem recommending any single one of them.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, fan, like you said, he's a fan
0: suggestion, but we definitely would have put him in there. He would made it in eventually, yeah, yes, for sure. Did- the the fan suggestion just moved him up the list. Yep. All right, moving along. Last year and until now, there's only been one woman we've added to the Hall of Fame so far: mm-hmm. Nancy Loomis slash Keys, or as her her, her real name is Nancy Keys. She's been known as Nancy Loomis. That's what she's credited as in her film appearances. So it's fitting that the next entry. Would be somebody who worked with her at least twice that I can think of. Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm -hmm. And what again? What can we not say about Jamie Lee? Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, exactly. Still Um, like it fighting Michael Myers forty years later.
1: Yes, right. Michael just will not leave her alone. And depending on which, you know, Halloween, choose your own adventure she took, uh, you take, um, she may have come back from the dead, I guess. uh, Or, or, you know, yeah. um... Yes.
0: Forget about how many times Michael Myers has seemingly been killed. We know she's been possibly killed at least
1: twice. Right. She keeps coming back. She's just so so badass. It just doesn't matter. Um, She's she's really funny, too. Like, um, she's excellent in in trading spaces um, and great in True Lies.
0: She's a fantastic
1: and, actress. Her and Anna Schwarzenegger and true lies. So yeah, the range is there. The, the range is absolutely there. Yes. I mean she 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 started out
0: and was one of the originals, you know, when the she made queen,
1: queen became okay. Right. Known. Like, was that invented for her or no? I wouldn't think so. I d I don't know, but she's one of was one of the most play I
0: think when the term started to come about, I think she was like the first one. Yeah. Right. Because you know she she made all those horror movies and she moved away and you know but she always gives a fantastic performance and like you said she can do drama she can do comedy she mm-hmm. can do action and she can do horror. Yep.
1: Oh, of course she can do horror. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely. Um. One of my four. One of my favorite. Maybe my favorite non. Uh. You know non Halloween iteration of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's work is probably True Lies. Yes. That's a really fun as hell movie. (laughs) Um with really several fantastic actors in it. But definitely seek out true lies if you haven't. Um so my next choice is a more contemporary actor, uh Jason Statham. Um one of my favorite actors. Uh he's like he is one of the newest, maybe the the like he's like the new, oh, he's in it. I'm definitely seeing this kind of actor yes. um uh he's, he could be really funny as hell um he's an excellent action star um originally a diver i think or a swimmer anyway um an a-, a tremendous athlete nonetheless but i mean he's funny as hell in lock stocking two smoking barrels and especially snatch um <laughs> i love that movie uh the transporter the first one fantastic movie not as much of a fan of the later ones but it still has jason statham so what the hell um i enjoyed the hell out of crank not so much crank 2 but pretty much he's the reason i saw it um uh, i was already getting into him when, when ghost of mars came out but i think that was one of his first like american american starting roles that's when he was in like the one with uh, jet lee which is a really fun movie then you and have the movie. war
0: which he was in with jet lee which is a really fun movie. It's a really fun movie as and well. The
1: Expendables, which he was in with Jet Li. It was The Expendables, which he was in with Jet Li and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. But I mean, we know The Expendables, right? Um, uh, relatively recent, really, really fun movie, like The Meg, um, the the Death Race remake, um, Hobbs and Shaw. Like it, that's a great movie with The Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson. Um, I even saw and didn't hate as much as I probably should. Solely because he was in, in in the name of the king, *Dungeon Siege* tale, thing. the infamous Uwe Boll. Um, Like maybe I should trash that movie more. I probably should trash that movie more, but I can't because Jason Statham's in it, and that's but like he's, he's the Statham, guy. Now. Like he's the one. Yeah, if if Statham's
0: in it, we're gonna check it out. I'm gonna and give it a shot. I don't care who's directing it. I will give it a shot. Check out *Wrath of Man*, directed by Guy Ritchie. It is yes. fantastic.
1: Wrath of Man is fantastic, yes. I remember you um, pointing that out.
0: Um, and it's a much more savage, dramatic role than the action movie. I mean, it's an action-oriented movie, but it's it's much darker and much more intense than what you normally see Jason Statham in.
1: Definitely, yeah. I mean, the, the, the vast majority of his catalog is going to be action, right? Um, and that's fine. He's fantastic in it. But again, the man has range. Uh, and again, especially com- comedic, like he's he's damn funny. <laughs> he's damn funny when he wants to be, but he's got just the right amount of swagger. He's got that Harrison Ford, Kurt Russell kind of swagger, uh, Bruce Willis, you know, kind of swagger that that's just like it's going to draw me to anything he's in. Yes, definitely, absolutely. Jason Statham's great. Also, that's also a fan suggestion, but again, I am absolutely yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's going to be in her anyway, so yeah. Um. Uh, now.
0: Previously, taught, there's only two women we put into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nancy Loomis and Jamie Lee Curtis. So fittingly, this next actress, who I adore, she's absolutely gorgeous. She's been a scream queen not quite as long as Jamie Lee Curtis, but she is deeply entrenched in the horror genre. She actually played the same role originated by Nancy Loomis. That's right, Danielle Harris. Yes, I love Danielle Harris. I she she's incredibly attractive, incredibly talented, and she she has she's she's in the movies we love. You know, yep, they're not all great, but she has no problem being identified. As a screen queen, which is something you know, not a lot of actresses like. But, I mean, she she debuted in the Halloween series. She had a recurring role on Roseanne. Um, she did so many, you know, she a, another great movie that we both love. We'll eventually cover Last Boy Scout.
1: Yes, Last Boy Scout's um, a
0: hell of a lot of fun movie. Daylight, which you know we enjoyed, featuring oh, Daylight's
1: great. I like that movie a Domester lot. Stallone. She's yeah. just
0: in a ton of... And, and anytime time I sh- she see she's in something, I'm like, I want to check that out. She's had a recurring role in the Hatchet movies.
1: Yes. Which, Those know, are fun, tech, too.
0: Which have kept the slasher genre alive. You know, playing almost the the Jamie... The Laurie Strode role in the Hatchet movies.
1: Yes. Exactly, yes. Um. Yeah, no, Daniela Harris is great. Um... Did she did she debut as Jamie Lloyd? Like was that her first movie? I know that was her film debut. I don't know if
0: she did day. any TV before that.
1: Okay, yeah, cuz she was a what, 10 younger. Um she's your age, I believe. Right. And that's that's what I'm about to get at. Like basically she was like about 10 or so, I think in um Halloween 4. And then she grew up and she's looked exactly the same for the last like 30 years or so. Because um, she's playing like, uh, she's playing, yeah, she's playing Annie Brackett in the in the uh, Halloween remake. And she's playing like a teenager. And yeah, like she's, she's hasn't, she hasn't changed. Uh, she hasn't changed a bit ever since. No, Daniel Harris is a great choice um, in some amazing horror movies. And yeah, keep, uh, you know, still bringing it. Yeah. And she's, uh, again, uh,
0: another, I bring it back to, she even appeared in an episode of Psych. Oh, she did. Which episode? Do you remember? The one where they're investigating it's, um, the the name of the episode is... Is it Feet Don't Kill Me Now? No. Yeah? No. (laughs) Yeah! Well, no, we can... but she she plays a lab assistant at a pharmaceutical company. Oh, OK. I remember that episode. Yeah, she's she, she's hitting on Sean and first Sean expects her of, of the murder. And he's she's like, no. And she gives her alibi. He's like, oh, great. Now you and me
1: back on dirty. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. I remember that episode. Um, I, I guess so. Me next. Yes. So um, someone who really doesn't need any explanation, um, Carrie Fisher. Um, Carrie Fisher, um, primarily, of course, because of the the great Princess Leia, the great character Princess Leia. Um, Star Wars, I don't think I need to explain, is a huge part of cinema history, and Princess Leia in particular, a huge part of that franchise. Um, one of the best written characters, especially throughout a franchise as long as it is, because um, Star Wars can be hit or miss with some of its own characters, right? But she is... Princess Leia is maybe the most consistently written for the entire franchise um she's always got it handled, and Carrie Fisher does an amazing job of just bringing that character to life forever. you know um no one will ever be able to do it. I don't care how it's done. um no one could have ever done it as well. I don't think um she you know to to bring such life to that role. Uh, with so much going on in that movie and so much of the backstory um, is just really a hell of an accomplishment. Um, so absolutely, Carrie Fisher.
0: All right. And to bring the show to a close, because we're, well, we're not running out of time. We can go as long as we want, but I'm probably. sure people are getting tired of hearing us. Yeah, probably
1: shouldn't. go. With, yeah. <laughs> the
0: original action heroine, Pam Greer. Oh, hell yeah. You know, uh, a lot of people look at Sigourney Weaver, which isn't inaccurate. You know, she, in the big screen, you know, her turn as Ripley really brought home the action heroine. But Pam Green was doing it before that. Pam Green was headlining movies in the seventies, you know, as, as a, as a, as a um, kick-ass action heroine, taking it to the man. (laughs)
1: That's right, Jack.
0: And she's, you know, She's got uh, two John Carpenter movies under her belt, you know, played uh, in Escape from L.A. and Ghost of Mars. So that puts her with Jason Statham and Kurt Russell, two other inductees. And, you know, she's
1: she's an icon. Oh, hell yeah. Um, <sighs> icon for what, f- five decades now? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and she still looks good.
0: Hell yeah. But I mean, you know, Jackie Brown, everybody knows Jackie Brown. We're eventually going to get to class of 1999, where she gets to play a Terminator, basically. Right. I mean, just some fantastic stuff. So, yeah. Pam Greer, um, our last entry in this year's Hall of Fame inductees.
1: Congratulations, Pam Greer. Um Oh, sorry. Go
0: ahead. Well, uh,
1: do you have anything else? Uh, no, no. Um, no, I don't. I really don't. I, I, yeah. Um, anything more should just end up in episodes starring, you know, <laughs> everybody we just mentioned pretty much. Right.
0: And this, like I said, this gave us a chance to mention some movies and some actors and actresses that we haven't really had a chance to get to yet, even though we we know we will and some that just may not pop up in the podcast for various reasons. Yeah. Like we'll never cover Star Wars. There's nothing we could add to the conversation. At least not I mean, the
1: original trilogy. Like there's no point in covering like Jedi, Empire and a New Hope. it just is right. you
0: know. I mean, but it had to we had to at least make mention of it.
1: Yeah. You know, cuz we do
0: love the movie. So with that, um you know, we didn't cover a movie, so there's no reason to. We gave recommendations throughout, and, you know, there's really no reason to try to connect all this to The Magnificent Seven. So, with that, I want to thank you for listening. And next week, we'll be back to doing a regular movie review. You can check us out on Instagram at MovieMatsRoyce, all one word. Twitter at MovieMattSorice, all one word, M-O-V-I-E-M-A-T-T-S-I-R-O-I-S. And on Facebook at The Movie Asylum for the Weird, Bad, and Wonderful.
1: So, once again, thank you for listening,
0: and we hope to have you back next time.
1: Thank you for listening, everyone.